the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs, a local community faith program from 100.7. The Word. We're going down to the river. Down to 100.7 FM, The Word. This is Chaim Goldman, The Watchman. You're listening to Crosswalk. So happy to join you, join in with you today. Um, this is a really, really busy day for me. Just about an hour ago, we finished up The Peak, which is the new news talk program that uh, we launched here, but not on this station, actually on our sister station, our news talk station, which is uh, AM 1460, 101.1 FM, The Answer. And uh, if you missed it, well, you know what? You can tune in again tomorrow because we're going to be on Monday through Thursday every week for an hour of live news talk, and uh, we're bringing it down to the local level. Salem has wonderful news talk hosts, national hosts, but we felt that we needed to talk about what's going on here. And that is continuing into today's program. Today is is, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. It is the national holiday, and actually January 15th is his birthday. So this is his actual birthday. And so we're doing a tribute show to Dr. King today. And we have on the program uh, Frank Sinclair, uh, who is uh, is a, uh, I don't know, what would you say, a disciple of Dr. King in a way, Indeed. someone who really, really look, looks up to him in a lot of ways. And we, we asked Frank to come on the program today to, to talk about um, Dr. King and to talk about his legacy and uh, where we're falling short, but where we can step up and bring uh, what Dr. King was trying to teach us here to the Pikes Peak region. So, Frank Sinclair, welcome to Crosswalk. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, it's great to have you here. I'll tell you a little bit about Frank. He's an honorary Ph.D. in business and leadership from Cornerstone Christian University in Atlanta, an ordained minister since 1989, and is the, I love this title, the Chief Encouragement Officer officer, chief encouragement officer for Dream Again Business Consulting and founder and co-host of the Be Encouraged show with Frank and Lisa, which we'll get to later on and give you the website for that. And our theme today is the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. So Frank, again, thank you for being on the show. And this this is a really special day, but so many people co-op Dr. King and they may, they turn him, it's like it's like what they do with Jesus, right? They just turn them, turn them into whatever they want and get behind everything. But what um, Frank uh, really has has studied Dr. King and and um, uh, is going to be sharing some things today to give you a fresh perspective that is grounded so that we can move forward in a proper way um, because we miss his voice and we oh, need yeah. it. We need it. We need it dearly. But before we get into that, Frank, please uh, talk about your background. Uh, professionally, your testimony, things like that, so we can get to know you. No, who, who is Frank Sinclair? Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Born and raised in North Carolina, uh, son of sharecroppers. My parents only finished sixth and eighth grade, respectively. Second of 15 children. We had a lot of kids in order to work in the agricultural fields and to be that. 
raised in abject poverty in government-assisted housing in a small town of Red Springs, North Carolina. Born 1956, so I'm 67 years old, so I had 12 years on earth before Dr. King uh, was murdered. Uh, so, yeah, coming up in that, it was just a, 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 a real sense. Our schools didn't integrate until I was in eighth grade. So I grew up in segregation as well, so I always thought I was a little bit less than other people. Mm-hmm. I've actually, we actually didn't see it, but there was a guy that was lynched in our community oh, really? as I was growing up. So all of these things are very real to me, very real happenings and things that it had gone on. So I just had a sense of not feeling like I was really uh, as good as other people. Mm-hmm. Joined the Air Force when I was 18 just to escape my upbringing. Mm-hmm. And right here at Peterson Air Force Base was oh. my first duty assignment, how I landed in Colorado. Uh, that's how you got here. <laughs> that's how I got airport. here. Yeah. So, so continue to talk about that. What was the experience that then turned you into now that, you, that you're that you a chief encouragement officer <laughs> and a business consultant? Keep keep telling us your story here. Well, and, yeah. al- and, al- and also about your testimony as far well, as coming thank- to faith. Absolutely, yeah. You know, even in the military, I thought I was going to experience the same thing that I experienced in life because uh, my T.I., or the guy that was in charge of us, of us in basic, called me the N-word there. There were very few black people in the Air Force when I went in. So I thought it was a continuation of my life story. Oh, great. Yeah, but when I got here, everything flipped. They treated me so well. I really got the opportunity to become my best self, mentorship, all of those things that move people forward, even though there were very few black people on Peterson. People, for the first time in my life, I got a chance to say, see that my melanin didn't make a difference mm-hmm. in my acceptance. So did incredibly well, spent eight years in the Air Force, finished in Japan. In my seventh year, I became the second youngest person of my rank in the entire Air Force. Really? So my movement was swift. I was doing incredible things until I wasn't. In my, in my mind, I started hearing these voices that said, Frank, you're a fraud. They're going to find you out. 24-7, I was hearing this, and then I started drinking heavily to try to stop the voices in my head, and I ended up sabotaging my Air Force career. At year eight, I had fallen off the wagon so badly that it wouldn't even let me stay in any longer. Really? So I was going to try to marry my Japanese girlfriend. They made me come back to America to discharge. Went to North Carolina, said bye to my family. I'm heading back to Japan. Had a wild hair. Decided to come back to Colorado Springs one last time on my way back to Japan at 26 years of age. And ended up a homeless guy downtown in Acacia Park. Blew all my money. And a guy came through one day and asked me to tell my story to him. And I did. And he took me home with him. And it changed my life. And he led me into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Totally changed my life. And for the first time, for, for a time in my life, I said, wow, this guy could see beyond the obvious and see my life and give me an opportunity. One year later, I was the chief of the Fuels Division for Raytheon at the Air Force Academy. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds, right? Yeah, I got an incredible job, got married. I have three children now. All three are C-suite executives in business, uh, doing wonderful work around the globe as well. And uh, just a really good life. Started Dream Again because I believe that everyone has a specific reason for being and that we need to find out what that reason is so that they can lean in to creating space and purpose for other people. That's the point of Dream Again, coaching, speaking, 
and training uh, enterprise that helps people find their true selves. So, I mean, it's really faith that turned it all around. Absolutely, for you. Yes. So now you're an ordained minister. So I know you don't you don't have a pastorate, but well, what's your what's your background in that in the ministry? Well, I went to Nazarene Bible College here oh, in this okay. city after uh, becoming. Man, you're a really Christian. a son here, even though you were important. <laughs> I love this Nazarene place. Bible College. <laughs> this is my joint. I even really when it's it. freezing cold, even like when today. it's freezing cold, I still love it. Yeah, yeah. So went there and then got ordained and went into the ministry for just a few years. Uh, and quite frankly, I joke about it, but my character did not match my calling at that point as I was trying to grow into my Christian faith. So, yeah, and I've done a lot of other work in other churches since then, working on staffs and other things, but never as a senior pastor again since mm-hmm. 1991. And so as we're finishing mm-hmm. up this segment, how do you bring your, your, your faith into your coaching? Well, uh, it's who I am, right? Uh, so it's the, it undergirds everything that I do. I don't have to have another Christian across the table from me, but they know that Christ is the reason for my being. Okay. And what type of clients, you know, are you? Entrepreneurs are my uh, cream of the crop clients. Uh, Any business, 100 people or less, small businesses are my target. Okay. And what do you do with them? How do you work with them? I help them figure out who they are, right? Uh, So identity first. Absolutely. Absolutely. Identity, figuring out who they are, why they are, and why anyone should care. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? Those three elements create space for human beings. Especially caring about yourself. So, Indeed. Well, thank you. Well, we're talking with Frank Sinclair. He is the Chief Encouragement Officer at Dream Again Business Consulting, and we are here on Martin Luther King Jr. Day and his birthday um, as a tribute to Martin Luther King. And when we come back here on Crosswalk, we're going to be going into you know, talking about the problems that are still existing here all these years after the passing of Dr. King and the Civil Rights Movement, in some ways we're going backwards. And so we'll, we're going to end the show with hope, but we're going to deal with <laughs> but we're going to deal with the issues when we come back. So you're listening to Crosswalk on the Word. I'm Haim Goldman, the Watchman. Stick around. We'll be right back with Frank Sinclair. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7, the Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk on the Word, 100.7 FM in Colorado Springs. I'm Chaim Goldman, the Watchman, and we're continuing to talk with Frank Sinclair, Chief Encouragement Officer of Dream Again Business Consulting. And we are doing a tribute in our own way to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Today is his birthday and also the national holiday. Maybe you have off and you're staying home. It's a good day <laughs> good to day. have off. I obviously don't have off. I'm here at the radio station, but but happy to go out to to do this. Um, before I get back to Frank, I, I wanted to also pay tribute to a friend of mine um, that many of you in the city may know. His name was Henry Allen, and um, he is a, just a wonderful man, also mm-hmm. a sharecropper, actually a sharecropper himself. I, I'm trying to remember where I think it was Arkansas. I think yeah, it was I think from Arkansas. Was Arkansas. Yeah. And um, he he came here and um, uh, he was in the uh, Army uh, for, for many, many years. He was a sheriff, an El Paso County sheriff. So he, he was in service his whole life. And he was the head of the NAACP here in the Pikes Peak region until he became a conservative. <laughs> and, and I, as a Messianic Jew, a Jew who believes in Jesus, the only thing rarer than that, I think, are black conservatives. 
Um, yeah, as, as one's <laughs> waving to me from across the console here. Um, but but um, you know when that happened, it, they weren't friendly to that, and mm-hmm. and because he was really trying to side with everybody, he was trying to bring everyone in to the NAACP. Um, here, white people, everybody, because Henry was that kind of guy. And he, he passed away on November 1st of 2022. And man, I wish we had him now with, with, with the issues that are going on. But what he did after he, he left the NAACP or was really moved out of it, as the story goes, he decided to bring Martin Luther King Jr.'s organization called the Southern Christian Leadership Conference out here to Colorado Springs, and and it's as as far as I know that Henry told me, it was the only one that was west of the Mississippi. It was the only <laughs> chapter, and so he brought it out here because he wanted to bring the principles of Martin Luther King that he didn't think were being represented in in other uh, um, African American organizations. Um, and he operated that until his death. He he was. Um, uh, operating that, and when I m- met Henry, and we really, you know, it's just we became dear friends, and and of my family, also, and he was always there for everybody, and and always trying to bring everybody together, and because he was a a black conservative, and because he had the army background and the sheriff's background and everything, he had the authority to really speak mm. into everybody's life, and so I I would ask you to look up Henry Allen because I'm staring here at a picture of him. That's here on the uh, Gazette article that that came out, um, uh, and uh, man, did he have a smile! Yes. I think everybody. <laughs> the thing you would know about Henry, first of all, dressed amazing. Like he was always, and he always had a hat, had a nice fedora on. But that smile of Henry's would light you up, and you couldn't be anything but a better person with him. So for those of you who feel that too, you know, let's remember him here because his his life, the whole, you know, 2.0, 3.0 part of his life was about bringing the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King to our region. And that takes us back to the topic at hand. So, so Frank, um, and again, we're talking with Frank Sinclair here. Um, 55 years after Dr. King's passing, more, more than 55 years, and the historic achievements of the civil rights movement, what issues are we still dealing with or actually now in this racially divided country where it seems cultural Marxism is trying to split us up and trying to cause problems? How do, how do you see that we're even going backwards? What, what are we dealing with these days in 2024? Well, I think, you know, and I'll I use some of, with your permission, use some of Dr. King's own quotes. Well, that's, hey, right? nothing better so, than that. <laughs> yeah, then uh, Dr. King says, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. We, we're living in a time right now where we're seeing an exasperation of hate. Hate is becoming at the forefront, and we have dealers of hate to be perfectly honest with you, and unfortunately, some of those dealers of hate even quote Dr. King uh, as a as as someone that they admire. So that was not his faith. It's impossible to understand the teachings of Dr. King apart from Christianity, uh, apart from God's word, because that was first and foremost the context of what he was talking about when he was the nonviolent hate, the nonviolent movement was all about Scripture and Jesus Christ. So he also says life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? And isn't that, <laughs> that really digs down to the heart 
of what life is about. When we focus on ourselves instead of other people, we really run into some really bad stuff because you've been with yourself 24-7 all of your life, and you know all the nasty stuff that we do in our own self. So our focus should be on other people. He also says we must accept finite disappointment but never lose infinite hope. Never lose infinite hope. And I think hope is really uh, we're losing it uh, in society here on the front range. Hope isn't really at the forefront of people's lives, and they're not thinking in a hopeful way anymore. And he said the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. So where do world people standing? I mean, this is the undercurrent for the unkindness and the hatred and the bitterness and all the things that we're seeing in our community and others as well. So, so, so some specific things that you're, you know, you're seeing here, you know, as far as the disparity, you know, between black and white, and you know, there, there's a lot of race baiting. There's a lot, certainly. America has more opportunity for everybody than any other country, but we're seeing, I know as, as a Jew, you know, this rise of anti-Semitism came up so quickly. It was obviously there under the surface, you know, in Israel, you're sort of used to it, but, mm-hmm. but here, the way that it's coming up and especially, no, you know, it's, it's, it's frightening yeah. um, um, because it is just based on hate. It's, mm-hmm. it's hating people, but but, you know, I have having white skin, even though officially I'm not white, mm-hmm. you know, I haven't had to deal with that. But what's it been like? I mean, you, you touched on it some, but what, what has it been like? But, but what is it like? Where do you see the state of, of race relations and, and bigotry here in, in the Pikes Peak region? Is, well, it, is it good? I, is it getting better, getting worse? I think it's getting worse. I really do. I, I'm I have been certified in diversity work as well, worked in corporate life doing diversity, even when it was the beginning stages of that work mm-hmm. and trying to build bridges among people. Uh, I think some of the diversity work contributes to the division in things today. <laughs> right. Rather than anti-racism is racism, <laughs> right, right? It's right. all over. Well, everything's backwards. Yes. Yeah. It's, and I see it across so many measures. We want to talk, but we don't do have any action, actionable things that are coming out of the conversations that we're having. We need to set a pathway to loving one another. That's the end. Let me just one more quote. Love mm-hmm. is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend, Dr. King says, and that will be true for inf- for infinity. That's always the case. Do, do, do you see the racism much coming, you know, as it's characterized that it's coming from white privilege and white, you know, or, or do we see maybe actors within the within the black community and the people of color community that are stirring it up for other reasons. Like what, give me, give me it, you know, straight from your perspective. <laughs> well, from my the perspective, problem, yeah. I think the answer to the, both those questions is yes. Okay. I believe there's an element in the white community that, that benefits from this. And I think there's an element in the black community that benefits from the tension and all of the things that create the hate among us and the division among us. So, uh, the answer is yes to that, and how we, it, it's got to stop being profitable to hate people, <laughs> right? Follow, is it always follow the money? <laughs> Pretty it's, uh, much, right? And the power, right? <laughs> yeah, it is the money and the power. You, if you can follow that, you'll see the rise of all these other things. So, okay. Yes. Well, you know, we, we were talking about the problem 
you know, some here. But in our next segment, we're going to be talking about real solutions from the perspective of Dr. King. We're continuing our talk with Frank Sinclair, Chief Encouragement Officer of Dream Again Business Consulting, and our tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King. And uh, we're going to be showing uh, how how Dr. King, people get him wrong, and Frank's going to try to set us straight (laughs) so we can all follow him to a better place. You're listening to Crosswalk on the Word 100.7 FM in Colorado Springs. I'm Chaim Goldman, the Watchman, and we'll be right back. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk on the Word 100.7 FM in Colorado Springs. I'm Chaim Goldman, the Watchman, and we're continuing to talk with Frank Sinclair, Chief Encouragement Officer of Dream Again Business Consulting, and this is our tribute to Martin Luther King Jr. on the celebration of his birthday and a national holiday. And in this segment, uh, we're talking about the teachings of Dr. King. What are the foundations? Frank started to touch on them, but uh, I want to go into how are we missing the message? It's it's so easy to co-opt someone once they've passed and define them however we want. But thankfully, in this modern era, we have writings, we have recordings, we have so much. But if you don't study them, then people can just define Dr. King or you after you're gone, however they want. So, Frank, um, you know, you started to touch on things, but it, but at its core, you know, what was Dr. King about and what was he trying to accomplish here in America? I'm glad you asked that. I, uh, speaking of, of, of writing something, uh, Dr. King was shown a copy of the Birmingham News, which contained a letter from eight Christian and Jewish clergymen in Alabama. They were all white, criticizing King for his demonstration. In response, King wrote, what, is, what has come to be called the letter from a Birmingham jail, which one biographer described as the most eloquent and learned expression of the goals and philosophy of the nonviolent movement ever written. And here's what he said. We need to hear uh, the power and insight from which King spoke. He says, perhaps it's easy for those who have never felt the stinging darts of segregation to say, wait, but when you have been seen vicious mobs sink your, I mean, lynch your mothers and fathers at will and drown your sisters and brothers at whim. When you have seen hate-filled policemen curse, kick, and even kill your black brothers and sisters, when you see the vast majority of your 20 million Negro brothers smothering in an airtight cage of poverty in the midst of an affluent society, when you suddenly find your tongue twisted and your speech stammering as you seek to explain to your six-year-old daughter why she cannot go to the public amusement park, when you have to concoct an answer for your five-year-old boy when he asks, Daddy, why do white people treat colored people so mean? These things, when you are harried by day and haunted by night by the fact that you are a Negro, living constantly at tiptoe stance, never quite knowing what to expect next, and are plagued with the inner fears and outer resentments, when you are forever fighting a degenerating sense of nobodiness, and then you will understand why it's difficult to wait. And I think some of those words... Uh, some of those words still ring true today. I know you, uh, I can't remember. How do you pronounce your name again? Chaim <laughs> or Chaim. We drop the C. Hi-am, yeah. yeah. Yeah, drop the C. Okay. Hi-am. You know, Jesus, when he says, was not Jesus an extremist for love? 
love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good for them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Was not Amos an extremist for justice when he says, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream? Was not Paul an extremist for the Christian gospel? I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Was not Martin Luther an extremist? He said, here I stand. I can do no other. And John Bunyan, I will stay in jail to the end of my days before I make a butchery of my conscience. And Abraham Lincoln, thus this nation cannot survive half slave and half free. And Thomas Jefferson, when he says we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. So the question is not whether we're going to be an extremist, but what kind of extremist will we be? Will we be extremists for hate or will we be an extremist for love? I choose to be an extremist for love. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is Dr. King's message. It will resonate for eternity. It follows uh, scripture. It follows uh, anyone that knows anything about human relationships. Love is the key and the opportunity for you and I to change the tenor of the mood and the environment in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. So how are we get, getting this wrong? How is this being the core of Dr. King's message has it been co-opted and brought in some places into even, you know, black militancy and other things that are causing us to divide? The very thing that he said is to not judge mm-hmm. on the color of the skin, but the character. And yet we have a world right now that that people are getting advantages and disadvantages in the name of anti-racism. That's actually racism. How, how did we miss this? How How is well, it's being missed on both sides. There, to me, there's a very clear-cut agenda that's involved with us missing it. We're not just missing it by happenstance. <laughs> We're missing it on purpose because those that are in charge of the message are re- misrepresenting the message. And people, I dare say, particularly in the black community, I'm a black guy, really don't dig deep enough to really see what Dr. King's overarching message was about and they co-op it because people make money co-oping it, mm-hmm. right? It's nationally, it's, it's a disgrace in my view that we are taking a message of a man whose very foundation of his message was Scripture and using it for hate, which is the antithesis of what Scripture talks about. Well, you know, uh, the boldness of Dr. King to stand in his generation and to be respected by so many people— you know, certainly we can say it's his faith, but what, what do you think it was about him as a person that allowed him to be so bold in, in, a, in a time when there was so much uh, segregation and lynchings and everything to, to boldly and, and to carry such a level of respect? How did he do that? Well, he, w- he, he was raised with it. His father was uh, equally bold. Didn't have the same message, wasn't anointed to carry it forward like his son was. Uh, we know that Martin Luther King, he was Michael King. His whole name was changed once his father uh, embraced the message of Martin Luther King, the great reformer, and in his heart, in his mind, and Martin Luther, Martin Luther, Luther, Martin Luther, Luther yeah. yeah, the great Martin Luther, that message was forever until he died, the overarching message of what he was trying to get out to people. Oh. Yeah, Martin Luther had an incredible amount of courage as well. The nailed that thesis on the wall of the Catholic Church. 
So, mm-hmm. so talk about that, the importance of fathers, because we hear so much about the, the disparity in the black community between the white community of, of fatherlessness. Yes. You know? So please address that to, to the community, you know, that's the faith community that's listening now, whether they're black or white, the, the importance of fathers. Well, it's a national tragedy. I know in my life, my father, uh, I think some of the confidence that I betray is my father was very, very proud of who I was. Was he a, 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 a perfect man? Very far from it. He beat my mom. I had to watch that and have to be a part of that. Often uh, months at a time, he would disappear and do other things. And he was just following what he knew. He really was not trying to let him off the hook. Mm-hmm. It just simply wasn't. A lot of the tragedy of my own life was from that, uh, from having to grow up with that as a model. So it's a national tragedy. And the problem is we don't talk about it. When you talk about it, you're racist. If you say anything about, you know what I mean, this tragedy of fatherlessness and and black men not having an example of what it is to be a man and how to treat women very well, then we're racist. Do you see? Does that make sense? That doesn't even make sense that we can't talk about the, the tragedy of fatherlessness. And mm. and so um, when we come back, I want to get into that because when, when to me, you know, we can talk about these issues, but if we're not going to take action on them, you know, why are we why are we talking about them? And the only place that we can really take action is close to home in our neighborhoods, yes. in our city, maybe our county. People get caught up in the um, in the national yeah. and the problems. And I think that that's where the hopelessness comes from. So since you're a chief encouragement officer, <laughs> since since I'm here to help, you know, call out problems, but also bring hope to the city, when we come back, we're going to talk about things that we can do directly at home and in our neighborhoods and in our churches and, and across here, because it's our responsibility what's going on in Colorado Springs Absolutely. and El Paso County. And so we're going to apply the lessons of Dr. King here, so I'm I'm, I'm not going to let you sit passively here. You know, not, I'm not talking to you, Frank. I'm talking to the people at home. I'm not going to let you sit passively while all this is going on. When we come back with Frank Sinclair and our tribute to Martin Luther King Jr., we're going to talk about how to apply the lessons of Dr. King here at home. You're listening to Crosswalk on the Word, 100.7 FM in Colorado Springs. I'm Chaim Goldman, the Watchman, and we'll be right back with Frank Sinclair. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk on The Word, 100.7 FM in Colorado Springs. I'm Chaim Goldman, the Watchman, and we're continuing to talk with Frank Sinclair, Chief Encouragement Officer of Dream Again Business Consulting. This is our tribute to Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. King, on the anniversary of his birth and the national holiday that many of you Probably uh, using as a wonderful respite to stay home today and not come out the cold because, boy, I'm not looking forward to going out after this. What is it? Is it going to be about negative 40 outside or something like that here in the springs? But I guess we get used to it. And in the, in this uh, final segment, you know, I always like to apply the lessons here at home, what we can do here at home and personally. So, 
Frank, um, you know, I was asking you about, you know, what you think the solutions are, and you pointed out to me that you're not a political person, (laughs) although we are going to talk a little bit about Mayor Yemi, because it's interesting. We do have a a black mayor, an African, you know, of African descent, directly uh, mayor here. So, you know, that would speak to us being an area, you know, that we we aren't judging people on the color of of their skin. The question is, and remains to be seen about the character and and what he ends up doing, what he ends up doing as mayor. Hey, we're still we're actually going to have him on 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 the peak, uh, the news show that I mentioned at the beginning that we just started doing today on our sister news talk station on uh, AM 1460, 3 to 4 p.m. The peak. Mary Yemi is set to come on in, in the middle of February. So we're going to awesome. be talking to him and talk to him about that. So so I'm not looking to you to, for those kind of solutions, but but the heart and you were talking about dignity yes. um, at the break. And, and so talk about how important that is for us as a people, so that we can really come together and treat each other equally. Yes. I've, uh, for the last 22 years, I've been um, helping to mentor guys at the Springs Rescue Mission coming through the program. Wonderful. Because I know what homelessness looks like itself. So dignity, I mean, uh, every human is insecure. And also, if you think you aren't there, uh, you need to take a more honest look at yourself. We all deal with insecurity. Dignity helps create space for people so that they can look, come outside the, the constraints of their insecurity and, and act as a whole person. And we give that to one another in several ways by speaking highly of one another, by uh, encouraging people, by giving them hope, by seeing the good, minimizing the bad that you see. All of these things that you bring into a person's space to give them worth and give them hope. So that's what my job is, is to encourage people forward. Several years ago, I asked a great leader, what's the best thing that I can do as a leader in my city? He says, be encouraged. And that's where the whole saying came from. It's my tagline. It's my life. It's a foundational principle of way I think that we can move humanity forward. So my job is to go out every day and encourage someone. I hope this has been encouraging for yeah, you, absolutely. us being together today. But looking for a way to encourage. Encouragement comes through story. Right? So if we're able to uh, uncover, give people safe places to tell their stories. Testimony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The testimony, uh, um, I don't use that word very often, yeah, but- and here's why. Because if that was the case, people say they start measuring, comparing their <laughs> testimonies, right, with others. Mine isn't bad enough, Frank. I didn't go through what you did. And Jesus had a testimony, though he never sinned. So we have to remember uh, testimony is is not necessarily a bad story you're telling. It's where you've come right, from to right. where you're going, right? And if you're not living for Christ today, you don't have a testimony. And there's the only way we maintain a testimony is by living for him. So so, so yeah. you were telling me, I mean, you know, people know in general the South Platte area is yep. the— the hood or, you know, yeah. of, of our area. It's not anywhere as big as other cities, but people are still living down there. And you, and you said during the break, it really hasn't changed much down there. So what what can we do as a community, black, black, white, or, you know, any color? We, we, we need to be caring about the people in our community. So yeah. what, what can we do to help the areas of the city where people, you know, don't have as much hope, as much opportunity, as much, you know, resources what, what, what do you think that we can do to help encourage people there in, in the spirit of Dr. King 
you yeah. know, where we can help them, but they can really help themselves also. Well, I think they need to be brought to the table. People don't understand that even in a homeless culture, there's a culture there. Right. Well, we we look at the people with the signs at the at the roadways and we call them blue collar homeless people and the white collar homeless people. People like me that lived in the park. Some had PhDs. Most had uh, college education. They just didn't want to participate in what uh, our culture says we had to do. So one thing, one of the things that really tickles me is that we want to really curb the homeless uh what well, and stop calling it a problem, but a homeless condition. Uh, our neighbors without an address is what I call these people. Why aren't we bringing some of them to the table? There are some people within that community that can really help us find some true solutions to homelessness and and uh, crime and the other things that follow addiction and all these other things as well. I would love to see. We love to form committees and have groups together and talk and then do nothing about it. And you know, <laughs> I don't have enough time left on earth to do that. So we need to bring people together who ha- have a stake in this. And I believe there's some homeless people that we can talk to about addressing the problem, addressing the Platt problem, uh, the Nevada problem, the other places where people are living uh outside of what we call normal. And do you see that being done? I mean, I don't want to say that, you know, Mayor Yemi is a black mayor because it really doesn't matter. I mean, I think from the standpoint of the fact that after all these years of not having one, that that just shows that we're not looking at the color of people's skin. But but what do you think that that speaks to our community? And what do you think, you know, our county commissioners and city council, you know, I mean, I know Yemi went out on this uh, tour to listen to people, but Mm -hmm. to bring them to the table, do you think that that's happening or what we can do to make that happen? Well, I hope it is. I hadn't followed. You probably know more about that than I do. Uh, But I know he wants to have some neighborhood things coming up uh, in the future as well and try to have some bringing together of people. So, yeah, conversation with actionable outcome is always good. But if we don't have some actionable outcome, then it's absolutely useless. Okay. So as we're finishing up, what are what are some final lessons that you want us to take away from from the teachings of Dr. King to apply here at home? Yeah, love people. I mean, really, uh, go into any uh, interaction with another human being thinking the best of them, not the worst. Find out what love truly means. We know the Greek, there's four different forms of love and et cetera, but Really apply love to situations and watch how things begin to change because we all need to be loved, want to be loved. It's the overarching message of Dr. King. I hope that some of us carries that forward well, and if we do, we'll see a flip in the way things are happening. Okay. Well, you know, as we're finishing up here, we have about a minute to go. You are an ordained pastor, so would you say a prayer over our region here and in our tribute to— Dr. King. Amen. Yes, Father, we thank you so much for the, Dr. King and the work that he did. We know he wasn't a perfect man. There is none other than you, Jesus, and our Father. So we just pray, God, tonight that his principles are are embraced rightly and they are embraced from the spirit of, of Christianity because that's what he was and that's who he was. So we just pray, God, that we continue to move his message forward positively and let hearts be changed, lifted up and transformed by that overarching message of love. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. So, Frank, how can people get in touch with you? Well, there are several ways. You uh, dream again. LLC.com is my website. Also, beencouraged.net is our other website. You can go on there if you want to come on our show. You have a show. We have a show, yeah, the Be Encouraged show with Frank and Lisa. has a reach of about 45,000 people right now and growing, and we would love to get your voice involved. Go there. Okay, so that's beencouraged.net. Reach out at beencouraged.net. Uh, thank you, Frank Sinclair, for being on Crosswalk today. Thank it's you for a, having it's me. It's been a pleasure. Well, I'm Haim Goldman, The Watchman. You've been listening to Crosswalk on 100.7 FM, The Word. Catch all our episodes and podcasts on our website, thewordfm1007.com. Now get out there and let's honor the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and make an impact for the kingdom with love and action here in our community for such a time as this. And keep warm, my brothers and sisters. Shalom. 100.7, The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.